Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindegaard. Making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello, how are you? Welcome to uh, another episode of the Glovers Cast with me, Ian Perkins. I'm joined by, who should I go with first? Let's go with Dave Coates first. Good evening, Ian Perkins first. And then Mr. Ben Barrett. Hi, Ben. Hello, gents. Are we well? Yeah, let's start with a thank you for giving us a, a Sunday morning off. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's two in a row, isn't it? Um, it'll, be yeah. th- it'll be three in a row as well this Sunday. Four, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, very exciting. Sunday's off. You know, we don't have to sleep on anything at the moment, really, do we? No, exactly. But it is quite nice. But yeah, really enjoyed your chat with the Terrace, and Sam was good value, as always. We like Sam. Thanks for coming on, Sam. It's been a bit of a busy news week this week. We announced our first signing, Morgan Williams. How are we feeling about that, Ben? You excited about Morgan Williams coming back? Yeah, I think he ticks, ticks a lot of boxes. I think he kind of helps round off a defence. I'm now kind of, we're kind of sorted at centre-back, aren't we? If you've got Wilkinson, Hunt, Williams, a bit of Staunton, a bit of Skendy, kind of, you're starting to, to finalise your defence. Bradley, of course, at right-back, if we can find ourselves a left-back, we're kind of, we're kind of there. So that's, that's not a bad place to be in at this stage. So, yeah, he's shown a little bit on his couple of loan spells from commentary. Let's hope we see a little bit more. Coach, you must be happy. You're, uh, I was going to say, I was going to say more to the point. scurrilous gossip. <laughs> <laughs> I've been vindicated with my uh, my my my, my high-quality investigative journalism yeah. has uh, has really come to the fore after being lambasted by my boss. But uh, yeah, I sort of just <laughs> sit here on my. Uh, I'm not your boss. 
I don't, fu- <laughs> I don't force you on here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I force myself on. Yeah. But yes, he, he, he is, he is, a, he is a bit different, isn't he? He's something a bit different that uh, a bit, of, a, a bit of pace, a bit of youth, um, and all the rest of it. So yeah, I'm quite happy with his, uh, his arrival. Absolutely, and we did a bit of um, real work as well this week, or. A few weeks. You did. A few weeks ago, I put in a, a freedom of information request to uh, Sport England. As they're a government body, you can do that, and they'll give you answers to the best of their abilities. And I didn't expect to get such a. I didn't expect to get the final number. Really, I thought they might say, "Well, I don't know." I asked for the value. I got the value. So there we there we go. The club the club was loaned six hundred eighty nine k or something to the value of that whether there's interest or anything on top of that we don't know I say it was a very precise number wasn't it yeah so it you suggests... can't imagine someone said yeah. can i borrow six hundred eighty-nine thousand five hundred thirty-eight pounds please <laughs> yeah so, so perhaps it's a round number somewhere with some interest on top but um yeah so there's that <laughs> i don't know yeah don't know what to say yeah. about it really other than it's, more... it's a shame you had to do it. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. other clubs had announced the the money. They, I think Kings Lynn possibly had, had confirmed how much they'd had and that sort of thing. But we are where we are. Um, we know how much it is and we know we've got to pay it back somehow at some point. Um, yeah, one thing no that sort of those questions. The person who I spoke to on the phone, so I, I, I phoned them first and asked, you know, what I needed to do, and they said to send an email, but they said that no, that the the charge of that loan would prevent the club from selling the stadium or the land. Um, right. Unless that loan was paid off. So, I don't know, you can put two and two together, and that would suggest that perhaps nothing can be done with the council deal until that loan is settled. That is how I took that anyway. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's off the cards totally. Well, um, we haven't heard anything more about it, have we, since the uh, council's statement immediately after the ACV no. uh, expired? No, all very quiet on that front. Um, what else happened this week? We... We're not bottom of the table anymore. Woohee! Dover, right. Do- yeah. Dover are, they're yeah. minus 12 points, so... The alphabetical thing that seems to crop up, unless we ever are in the same division as York City, we're not bottom of the league. Lovely stuff. Great, great way to start. Season <laughs> hasn't even started. <laughs> we haven't even started the season yet, and we're already climbing the table. I mean, what more can you ask of the guy? Exactly, exactly. So, you know. And the other thing was some account stuff that we didn't really understand, but. Um, yeah. So, CV Leisure, Scott Priestnell's company, CV Leisure. Um, published their accounts up until August last year. Um, so it started off at nil, and then at some point they acquired an asset worth 4.2 million. Is that right? 4.285 million. 4.285 million pounds, which we, you know, that's the football club and everything else. So that was... They, they, they also took a loan on for 1.35 million pounds as well. So how those two figures uh, relate to each other, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah. Ben, well, do you well, know? Ben, uh, yeah, Ben, you, 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 you've got this, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I, I am completely down with this. I spent hours and hours researching, <laughs> uh, going through accounts, PDFs, and uh, I came to the conclusion that I haven't got a bloody clue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah. Thanks for that, Ben. <laughs> More from a financial hour later, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you want me to ask Vitaly Maximenko what he thinks on it, I can probably get something to happen. But other than that, I'm useless, guys. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, so to, to on this episode, listener, we've got quite a special one. Um, we are going to be joined by Steve Salden and James Healy once again. They are both back because uh, by popular demand by very popular demand actually yeah so uh today on the it was on the 19th of june tomorrow if you're listening to it unless you listen to it saturday (laughs) on the 19th of june 2001 we appointed gary johnson as our manager so on this episode of the glovers cast we are gonna do a little bit of a round table about that appointment what it meant for the club and sort of go into gary's legacy a little bit and yeah, just talk about Gary Johnson for a, uh, a few minutes. So um, enjoy that. We'll be back in a minute. Okay, we're back on the Glovers cast. Um, this special roundtable discussion um, about Gary Johnson. He, he joined the club 20 years ago on the 19th of June. Uh, here to discuss his legacy and um his time in charge we've got jimmer back by popular demand good evening fellas hope you're all doing well and steve salden's back as well also by popular demand good evening and the other two well, us. did anyone demand us not not one person <laughs> has demanded us That's, <laughs> i'm really sorry <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Twice. Someone week. actually demanded I wasn't there, but uh, I, I overruled. Yeah, that was me. So. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Right. Shall we start at the beginning of uh, of time? No. Um, where? So I was a kid when Gary Johnson came in. Um, Steve, where where were we as a club when Gary Johnson came in, or before he came in? Um, we we just missed out on promotion with um, Colin Allison having let the lead slip. Um, where, where were we as a club at that time? Well, it, it was a, it was strange, really, because on the face of it, Yeovil just had their best ever season as a non-league club, finishing runners-up in the conference and got to the third round of the FA Cup, etc. But obviously, there was huge disappointment that we had missed out on winning the conference and with it, obviously, promotion to the Football League. And Colin Addison had resigned on the last day after we lost to Scarborough, I think it was. And I think he resigned rather than being sacked, to be honest. But um, so it meant then it was a, we were in a state of limbo because we had no manager. Players were sort of umming and ahhing on what they should do. Should they stay or should they go? And it, it was all a bit up in the air and it, it went on for weeks and weeks, I think. So, so it, it was a strange, strange time. And obviously, the longer it went on, the more disgruntled the, the supporters got. And and in that time, um, were we linked? Were we linked with any big names? I seem to recall a, a, a few names being thrown around. I don't, I don't know whether we, I don't know whether we were linked, but there was what, the, the the usual crop of names were being mentioned. I'm not sure whether they were genuine contenders or not, but I think off the top of my head, I can Stuart Pierce's name always got mentioned. Nigel Clough, Tony Pulis, um, Jerry Francis. 
in that. I think it was in the also to token gesture. Tony Ricketts' name kept on cropping up. I don't think he was ever in the in the frame, so to speak. So, but no, can it's I just one. Sorry. Can I can I mention Steve McMahon as well? Because I, I completely yeah. made up slash sourced that story for the Western Gazette at the time. Basically, by ringing Steve McMahon, he was out of work, having left Swindon Town, and asking him if he fancied the job. <laughs> he said that he did. So that was it. Therefore, he was linked with the Oval Town. Exactly. So that's uh, behind I the scenes of the local media. I, I think I think that's how the the rumour machine always starts. Is just by plucking names out of the, the air, really. And then I've done a bit of digging on the uh, on the oh, sorry on the uh, cyberspace sort of archives, gone back through and, and looked through that that month of June and May, and there are so many names. Like you say, Stuart Pierce, John Still was on a short list huh? apparently. Um, yeah, quite a few names that sort of cropped up. Uh, a certain Mister Harry Redknapp. Not sure if you all heard of him. That was kind of plucked out of thin air. Uh, obviously, he would have been very, very inexperienced at the time. But there's loads of names that, like you say, Stuart Pearce, Graham Barrow was at Chester, Jimmy Quinn, former Reading and Swindon boss. Sort of loads of names cropped up. But it was it was quite late, actually, that he joined. Quite first time we see Gary Johnson's name is on the 10th of June. Mm. It's quite late, isn't it, for a managerial appointment? I, th I, th I think he, uh, he, he, he was late in the running. And, uh, and then it, it, it quickly gathered pace. So and it was fairly quick as to how it all came about in the end, I think. But it was just that getting from the end of the season to them finding Gary Johnson. And I think at the time he was on a cruise in the Caribbean or somewhere. Jimmy, were you at the club at the time? Were you involved then? No, I wasn't, mate. I, was, I joined the first season in the Football League. So 2003-04, I joined in the... the just before they set the week they set off to go to Carlisle okay. uh, is when I joined. So, but I was following, obviously being a fan. Yeah. Uh, I was following. And when Coatsy mentioned Steve McMahon, then I got, I remember that and being quite excited because growing up, I also followed Liverpool because dad's a scouser and that and loved Steve McMahon. So when he was linked with it, I was like, really, I remember being really excited thinking, oh, Liverpool legends joining. And now Coatsy's just said that. It's just ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the impact of my journalism. See, my words have a lasting impact on people, like Morgan Williams' dog. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jimmer. <laughs> Git. <laughs> <laughs> so in comes this. In comes Gary, the, the former manager of Latvia. Um, I mean, some people with revisionist uh, views will say they knew who he was from his time at... He was at Cambridge United, wasn't he, for a bit? And Watford, yeah. am I right? Um, he was but, at Cambridge yeah. at Watford, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, but I think the overall feeling at the time was, who, who is this? Yeah, I, 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 I honestly didn't know anybody who'd heard of him beforehand. I know hindsight's a lovely thing, oh, but yeah. at, at the time it was very much a, a question of Gary who. Um, when, he, when he first arrived. Coatsy, you were in between leaving your job at the Western Gazette and uh, moving up north. Um, what, what do you remember at a time when then Gary joined? You would have had a bit of crossover, wouldn't you? Uh, no, actually, because I'd uh, I'd left the Western Gazette. In. I can't remember when he actually um, took it because he, he was quite, like we were saying before, was quite 
soon um, b- before the season, quite close to the start of the season. So I think I'd left because I had some <laughs> some holiday to take before I went to start a university. So 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 I missed him, which uh, it sounds like it should be a sad thing, doesn't it? Because it sounds like oh, he left just at the um, just at the wrong time because it was just getting exciting. But actually, as a fan. Um, it's probably exactly the right time, wasn't it? Because you got to um, uh, to actually watch and enjoy um, that team. And I'm sure Steve will tell us that uh, you know he enjoyed plenty of Gary Johnson's time from the press box. But uh, no, I, I I came across Mr. Johnson when I returned uh, for the summer break and uh, spent the odd uh, month or two working with the at, at the Western. But uh, I never um, uh, I never actually knew him in the beginning, shall we say? So, Steve, what were your first impressions? Were you there for his first, his initial press conference when he when he came? Yeah, in? yes, I, I was there, and it was a. It, it, we knew it, there were, there was this going to be this press conference to announce a new manager, and we already knew it was going to be Gary Johnson, and um, we were sort we were all there, and we were sort of thinking, what's he going to be like, kind of thing, and uh, I, it, it sounds as if yeah, of course, of course, she did, Steve, but I must admit, I. I was quite in po- positive mood with him right from the start. He, he spoke spoke a lot of sense. He's, he said like all managers do when they come to Yeovil, or oh, there's great potential here at the club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he did actually he did actually sound as if he knew what he was talking about. If that makes sense, he he, he was saying all the right things. He he seemed like a, a, a good football man and a good bloke, a good people person and I thought he's, he's going to fit in quite well that that was my immediate reaction from him obviously I, I think I can remember writing that let, let's wait and see what happens on the pitch first before we start making um, views on whether he's the right appointment or not but um, first, first impressions were, were positive he had a big job as well, didn't he, Steve? Because, like you say, a lot of those players, uh, I think uh, uh, Pennock and uh, Patmore stayed uh, around, didn't he? But Tony Pennock had gone. Is that right? I'm trying to remember. Uh, t- uh, Tony Pennock had gone. Warren Patmore, Patmore gone. Benny Boy Smith had gone. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the players that had helped you able to to run us up in the conference had, had already left the pastures new. So so there was a lot of rebuilding to be done. With it within within the squad, and um, and that and, was, and Gary Johnson arrived what in middle of June the nineteenth, so he was only only a couple of weeks away from the start of pre-season training. So, so he had to work work quite quite quickly. He did inherit quite a nice squad though, didn't he? Terry, yeah. Terry Skivett and Nick Crittenden, Darren Way was there. Michael McKindo yeah. was had he joined at that yeah, point? Yeah, was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Addison brought him in, didn't he? Uh, Anthony yeah. Tonkin. Um, yeah, what a player. Yeah, and I think Belgrave was still there as well. Yeah, at the yeah. time. Um, but Plucky, Kel Colin Pluck. Yeah, I think no, he, he, he brought him in, didn't he? Mm. I think. Yeah, oh, he right. Okay, right. Yeah. And of course, Lee Johnson and. Um, he was a keeper, John Sheffield. He brought in John Sheffield as well, John didn't Sheffield. he? Yeah, um, John Sheffield and Steve Collis. Yeah, brought them in. Um, and time he... for time for an impromptu quiz. Can anyone name his first signing? Yes, I can. Because that okay. anyone? Andy oh, Turner. I think I know this. Andy Turner. Yeah, yeah. Andy Turner. Yeah. Turner. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I was yeah. I was having a look again at the um, at the uh, 
archives you can find of, of Ciderspace. And I do remember thinking, I have no idea who Andy Turner is. <laughs> kind of <laughs> come and gone. At the, time, yeah, well, I, at the time, I think he held the record for being the youngest ever scorer in the Premier League. Premier League. Yeah, that's right. He did. Tottenham, wow. Wow. But well, there you go. what an anti-climax he was. He <laughs> yeah. was uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said that, Steve. <laughs> but I, I, I can say that I, he, he was unveiled as Gary's first signing and there was this like press conference and we sat outside with him at, in the stand and it was a boiling hot day and this chap, Andy Turner, talked and talked and talked and talked and it, it was so boring and i, I thought willie shut up <laughs> and i can I, I can i can remember not i haven't got much hair now and i didn't have much hair then and i was my head was getting hotter and hotter <laughs> and, it, it, and I, I thought well he talks a good game but as soon as, as soon as he started i thought how the hell did he play in the Premier League? I have no idea. If you're listening, but, Andy, thanks for your service. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks, mate. Cheers. Appreciate that. Yeah, it, it just didn't work out for him at Yeovil. No. The other thing <laughs> no, I noticed but... was that um, Terry Skiverton withdrew his transfer request upon the on the uh, upon the arrival of literally same same day. Again, I'm just looking through the Ciderspace archives here. Gary Johnson named as manager 19th of June, and Skiver withdraws transfer request on the same day. Mm. So. Clearly, he's come in with a, a a plan in mind, and I happen to be reading um, "Yovel Till I Die: A Cyberspace Odyssey" by Brendan Owen, available in all your good bookstores now. And it's Gary Johnson's foreword, and he says very much that he kind of knew, watching videos whilst he was on this cruise ship, that he knew his core players and he knew who he had to keep and who he was relying on already. Do you think that was mm -hmm. sort of something that set him up quite nicely, knowing he had such a short space of time to get things done he, uh, i can always remember gary used to say that he liked to have um on-field generals and he liked to have a spine through the middle of the team and obviously skibbo was that's that spine in the defense then obviously in midfield you had lee and darren then that front obviously it, it when he first arrived he had uh carl orford i think he brought he brought him in so he had like a, a spine through the centre of the, t the team, and like I said, he, he liked like what he referred to as on-field generals. And Yeovil was packed with leaders when he was when Gary was first here. That you could look through that team, and, and each one of them could could potentially have been a captain of the team. Yeah, definitely. And I think you look at the players, what the players he brought in at that time have gone on to do as well so many have ended up in coaching and in management and um gone on to have big careers what one of the players that he he brought in early doors as well who, who um really made a huge mark on on the club was uh, adam stansfield as well um obviously that season was a really successful one for us as as a club but he sort of he managed to pluck adam stansfield from nowhere wasn't it elmore elmore football club elmore that's right yeah he made he made his he made his debut for you but in a conference game at Southport, which was held, I don't know why it was, but it was held on a Friday night. And um, I think Yo yeah, I think Yeovil lost, but, but he looked good. Stano looked good. He looked quick. That, that was my first impression of Stano. And that was what, in the October, November time, 
I remember that game, Steve, because Southport wasn't too far away. Well, isn't far oh. away from where I live now. And we got battered, if I remember rightly. I think mm. it was 3-0 or 4-0 maybe even. Right, but, been, uh, yeah. yeah, like you said, Stansfield. And I remember um, we had uh, Chrissy Giles up front. And I want to say, did we have Kim Grant at that point we as did, well? Yeah. I'm sure he was yeah. around then as well, wasn't yeah. he? But, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, we did get we got hammered on a Friday night in Southport, which is yeah, plenty of people from Yeovil went on to get hammered on a Friday night in Southport <laughs> after that. <laughs> Steve being one of them, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no comment. <laughs> so we really yeah. saw his his eye for a player at that time. Um, you know, Stansfield. I don't know what division Elmore were in, um, but for for Adam Stansfield to come in from much lower down and score that goal in the FA Trophy final. Um, sort of, I don't know, that's that's one of the memories that's just going to be forever embedded in people's minds, isn't it, at Yeovil Town, that, that moment. Um, Jimmy, that, that first season with um, Gary in charge, what are your what are your big memories of that? Um, was it, did we play at Dorchester? Or was that later? Or was that, that before? Was the, I think that was the season after we played at Dorchester, wasn't it? Because we yeah, had the pitch I, redone because the centre circle, the centre circle was I, always like a bog, wasn't it? At that, at yeah, that it was. Time. It was horrendous, wasn't it? Yeah. I just remember because obviously I wasn't working there, so I was I was a fan. Yeah. Um, just going to watch and I just remember like his the style of football. It was just like so entertaining and admitted like following the Oval for years. We have. Being Yeovil fans, we have watched some proper drab stuff, haven't we? Um, <laughs> but I just remember like the flowing football when someone mentioned like the signings that he made were just leaders as well. And you could see that on the pitch. And it was actually like really, you would look forward to going to watch the games to see how many goals we would actually score. And obviously, he got the players, I think, probably as fit as they've ever been. Uh, probably one of the fittest teams that I've seen play for Yeovil, that's for sure. Um, yeah, they could just run and run, couldn't they? And a lot of them were all leaders and you had a couple of local lads in there as well, which I think helped being a local lad myself, seeing lads that I used to go to school with in like a couple of years older than me playing as well. I think that helped. Yeah, the likes of Wheelie and Andy Lindegaard was yeah. a big part of that, wasn't he, as well? Yeah, just seeing, seeing them guys like feature in the squads and that, and you just see them, you think, yeah, it's nice seeing the local lads coming through. What what Jimmy's mentioning there about Dorchester, that's when um, we first saw uh, Gavin Williams play for Yeovil when he first arrived. Mm. Yeah, well, I, can, I can remember seeing, seeing Gavin Williams was with the Yeovil squad just before the, as a, just as part of the, the squad as a non-playing person before the FA Trophy final. We went up, we went up there a few days before and had a tour of the stadium. And what have you with the players, and Gavin Williams was there with them. I think he'd either just signed or was about to sign for Yeovil, and it was quite weird because I can remember that obviously he we got Gav, Gav from Hereford, and we'd also got Macca from Hereford, uh, Michael McKinday. And I think when in that season when we were runners up to the conference, Colin Addison had gone to Hereford and wanted to buy. Macca and Gav Williams and Hereford wanted so much for both of them and Colin Addison well I've got this for Macca 
how much do you want for Gav, Gav, Will, Gav Williams? And they said, and I think he went back to the overboard and they said, no. Now then, who knows? Had we said, yes, here you go, Hereford, here's the money for Gavin Williams as well. And he brought Macca and Gavin Williams to the club. Perhaps we might have won the conference that season after all, instead of coming second. But who knows? It's one of those interesting stories, really. A tipping point. You know, if that had happened, we wouldn't have ever had the Gary Johnson years. Who knows what could yeah, exactly. <laughs> A moment in time. Um, all is buts and maybes, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Ben, you, um, I think you started going that sort of season. Was that when you were really, really getting into it? Yeah, a little bit. So I, I'd been on a couple of times. I, I seem to remember at least one school trip, sort of there, have a bit of a tour and then watch a game on a, on a Tuesday or a Saturday back as far as 2000. But it was that first season towards the back end as things were getting good and crowds sort of started picking up. That's when I started going semi-regularly. And I, I, a bit like Jim, just remember almost an, almost an arrogance about it, like we were going to watch the team that were going to win. We just kind of knew that we were going to win and it was a shock when we didn't. And then obviously the trophy happened and the trophy final. So when, when Adam Stansfield scores his second goal, he runs towards the supporters in the whole end. And I've, I've watched it quite regularly. You can just see me in the corner of the, uh, in the corner of the, the screen. And my dad, we happened to have front row tickets for the whole end. So we saw that right up close. And that was, that was a real, that was the moment I knew that I was a Yeovil fan, that particular moment. I'd always enjoyed my times going. I'd always sort of been around and I understood what was going on. But weirdly enough, I, I was wearing an Aston Villa shirt that day. I was kind of a Villa follower for no real reason. I kind of just followed them. It stems back to a long story back in 1996 when I discovered football and they happened to win, I think, the Coca-Cola Cup, whatever it was. So I kind of just followed Villa along, but never went, never did anything with it. But it was at Villa Park. I was in a Villa shirt in the front row of the Oval End, and that was it. I was now a Yeovil fan. It was just that one moment that made me think, this is magical, and it's literally just down the road from me. We were playing such incredible football. Those two in the middle, Way and Johnson, just, it was just like terriers. And then everyone, all the, all the magicians around them, McIndoe and, and Stansfield and players who could really make things happen. Carl, Carl Olford, for a big lump, he couldn't half move to shift his body into all kinds of positions for overhead kicks at, in the first few minutes. And then, of course, Chris Wheel makes that absolute wonder save right in front of us, early doors. It was like, it was like watching a, a magic show for 90 minutes. It was incredible. Did you pull your dad down the stairs when uh, that goal went in? <laughs> No, we were front row, so we, so we had nowhere to go. Oh, it's fine. Okay, all right. Is he still got a cut on his leg? <laughs> no. <laughs> Coatsy, what what is your memory of uh, that day, Villa Park? Uh, I remember I'd been uh, I'd been with some friends in London the night before, and I had had a few drinks, um, and uh, not much of a good drinker these days. But I was an even worse drinker back then. So uh, uh, even though I was start like, twenty one at the time, but I. Um, yeah, I, I remember a train journey from London to Birmingham feeling slightly worse for wear. And I would just about uh, come back into consciousness by the time we got uh, we got into the ground. But uh, yeah, uh, like you say, that Carl Olford goal is the one that sticks with me. I know the Stansfield one should do, shouldn't it? But the Carl Olford one... Um, Although it was down the other end, you could you, you could clearly see what he'd done, um, and that was the that was the moment that was 
yeah, we talked the the other week, didn't we, about um, with Steve about Graham Roberts and, and and all of that, and it had a similar kind of feeling for it um, to me that it was like this is this is going to be something. There's going to you know something's going to um, happen here, and obviously a you know first bit of silverware since then as well. So yeah, it was a nice way to cap off what had been. If I remember that first season, we seemed to go from real like sort of peaks and troughs we sort of won like loads of games and then we'd lose loads of games it was kind of uh, i remember going to um uh, obviously a lot of away fixtures and seeing us really blow teams away and then go to like i said that southport game on the friday night and get get blown away so it, it, you could clearly see what was happening um and that something was coming here but um it uh, obviously took that season to uh say iron the kinks out if you iron the kinks out and you win the uh win the trophy it's pretty good going isn't it for the first season that was the season that dagenham and boston went toe to toe all the way wasn't it i think remember we lost to boston we got i think we got battered by boston as well i remember going to that one which was is a very long way from anywhere but uh, certainly a very long way from yeovil yeah the steve evans steve evans it was that season <laughs> it was that 84 season. points both of them boston and dagenham 84 points yeah separated by goal difference only and what did we get 70 back in third. Okay. Three points ahead of Doncaster and Barnet. Yeah. Big teams, big teams. Um, they added they added the playoffs after that, didn't they? Not long after. Was it the season after? Was it the season we won the league that they added the playoffs? Because that was just one up, one down, wasn't it? Boston went up and Dagenham missed out, even though they basically had a tied record. Is that right? Do I remember that right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think they did bring in the playoffs just after we went up a couple of seasons after, maybe. Mm. Yeah, that rings a bell. Just thinking about the FA Trophy that that season, I think the the big moment for me where I think it all started to to fall into place was the the fourth round replay at Doncaster, where we were we, we oh, were yeah. like three nil down with about half an hour to go, and um, we came back to win five four. That was a that, game, wasn't it? That that was like if if that being not live on. I know we talk. You talk about the the Nottingham Forest playoff game, which was a brilliant occasion. But for me, that that was the the, the most important game in Yeovil's history was winning that replay at Doncaster because we, we were dead and buried at three 0 down with half an hour to go, and then um, then a miracle happened and we win five four. And I think it just gave gave all the players that belief that they could. Could actually win things, and it, it it was an amazing game, and I'll I'll never forget it. And but I just look back now, it's funny. Listen, it's weird listening to all you 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 chaps saying, "Well, it was it was my first season watching you over." Yeah, it only seems like yesterday. And, uh, and I think, how old does this make me feel? But, <laughs> but I, I just think that Doncaster game was where it all started. But for Gary, Gary Johnson and and Yeovil and that and that magical journey we took with them, and it, it was it was a memorable occasion. Not ever since then, I I always thought that Yeovil's name was on the trophy that season after that win at Donny. 
remember people leaving at half time in that game as well. I think we'd been thoroughly outplayed in the uh, in the first half and, and, and people leaving. It might have been just uh, did they score quite early um, in the second half? I think uh, and and there was loads of people leaving, thinking, "Well, we're three 0 down. Doncaster yeah. a good side. That's it." Um, and it was it Skivo scored right at the end, didn't he? he scored ninety extra I think time. I think Donny were 2 0 up at half time, yeah. then he scored a third, and then the announcer very cheekily said, Oh, tickets for the fifth round will be available. The <laughs> <laughs> game was already been won. I think, that, I think that wound the Oval players up. Yeah, and, and then we battled back to 4 3 in front. Then they, this was all like in the last 10 minutes of the game, they drew level 4 all. And then obviously that renowned goal scorer, Terry Skeverton, scored an absolute worldy. Of a, a volley from the, the edge of the box, which just zoomed into the net. It, it was just like unbelievable. <laughs> but but that, that to me is where it all started. That Skivo's goal at Donny. Yeah, and there's no doubt that the, the trophy win sort of was the springboard for the following season, which was just, a, you know, unbelievable, an unbelievable record. Um, more than a hundred goals, I think we scored that season. Um, yeah. Or did we score hundred? I think we scored think 100, it was, didn't Yeah, we? it might have been bang on a hundred goals. Bang on, exactly a hundred. Yeah. yeah. Um, just unbelievable, unbelievable football. And I think we've sort of alluded to it. How we were the, we seem to be the, the fittest team of everyone. Um, the league. Okay, I can always remember, talk, talking the goal hundred goals. Can always I can't I can't remember but I, I do remember who it was but I won't mention their name but um they used to do sponsor a goal and I think he'd sponsored five or a goal that season. But <laughs> <laughs> they remember who they were. I don't, I don't think his wife was very happy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Still paying it back now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so that am I right? Am I right in thinking that the ninety-five points we got was a record up until quite recently for the conference? Uh, I'm trying to think who it was. I think it was only three or four years ago it was beaten. Mm. I'm sure, it was, but yeah, it was just lost three games all season. Morecambe, who finished second, lost ten. Yeah, um, <laughs> some crazy. Some of the players we brought in that season. So obviously, Gavin Williams comes in. Abdullai Dembo, I think, scored one of the most memorable hat-tricks in that. Yeah. 6-0 against Southport, wasn't it? Southport as well, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Uh, Coatsy, your, your fanboy, the, the guy you fanboy over. Howie. Yeah, yeah. Howie. Yeah. I remember seeing him. He scored up at uh, Morecambe. We won, I think, early in the season. Remember him uh, him scoring up there. I'm thinking, oh, he's going to do it again. And he didn't quite do it again, did he? But um, he, uh, yeah. He helped. What a legend. He helped. He helped. He helped. Uh, another one, Abdu. An- another one plucked from nowhere, Abdu El Colty. Oh, um, yeah. Gary. Yeah. Yeah. Gary. Gary. Yeah. Gary. <laughs> and then, obviously, in the quest for quest for more goals, we brought in Kirk Jackson just before um, or the end of November. And what an impact he made. He Can we pay a fee for him as well? Because it was quite unheard of that we could pay fees. Yeah, well, according to Wikipedia, the font of all knowledge, um, 20, 20 grand from Stevenage. Not um, a bad buy that, really, was oh, it? Was it, it, was, it was Kirk Jackson who had that shot at goal in the trophy final that really yeah, it was. saved yeah. early doors, wasn't it? So, 
So we, yeah. we brought Kevin Gould in as well, didn't we? Was that that was midway yeah. through that? Was that that season? Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was in the that was in the year. That was in the last stage, and that was Feb, January, February time. Right. Yeah. Again, yeah. another another influential signing, wasn't it? Another one that went yeah. on. I mean, he scored a few goals that season. If I'm yeah, and I fourteen. I um. So Gourley, I, I spoke to Gourley about you know joining Yeovil, and um, that he played in a trial game, and he set up another striker who was also on trial to score, who, who scored a couple of goals. And he said at halftime, Gary Johnson said, I don't need a striker who's going to set up other people. I need a striker who's going to score goals. Um, <laughs> so I think in the second half, he either scored a hat-trick or he scored two and, you know, scored the goals himself and um, sort of wrote off his Bristol Rovers contract to, to sign for us at that point. Um, and I think that's probably, Jimmer, you, you'll probably have more of an idea of this, but Gary's relationship with players and how he could, you know, get them to buy into what he was doing. Yeah, definitely. I think I always remember him. He, he showed round. Um, it was a lad from Scunthorpe, uh, Paul Hayes. Yeah, Paul Hayes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always remember being sat in the office, and Gary was showing him round. And in the end, he didn't sign because it was too far away from home. That Paul Hayes. But I remember him saying that. Uh, his first impressions of Gary was like selling him the club. He said, I'm really impressed with how he's like told me all about the club and that but he, he didn't sign because it was too far away. But I know that when Gary was showing players round, it was always a massive thing of selling like his way, what the club was all about, family orientated. So he'd go around and introduce like Gene and Terry and things like that. And they've been here for years and that was a massive thing for him to like when he was showing players round. Do you think that's something that um, sort of went with him throughout his whole career? Because I'm just I'm just looking now, and it always strikes me how many games he gets out of his players. So not just a fitness aspect, but a loyalty aspect. That season when we won the conference, McIndoe and Lockwood both played 50 times each. Darrenway, Lee Johnson, 48. Gavin Williams, 46. Nick Crittenden, Terry Skiverton, 44. Roy O'Brien, 42. Wheel and Miles, 41. And then a whole bunch of others on 36s and 37s. And it's just like you can you can pretty much write down the vast majority of his squads, and I'm sure we'll get on to his, his later success and his second spell, but the same thing applies. Copy and paste. You could write down the 2013 side to the best of your ability to sort of 9 out of 11. Well, you could do that in 2003 as well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And again, that, that goes back to what I said earlier about the fitness as well. Like they were, I swear they were the fittest team I've seen play. Um, they could just run and run. They just you would leave like feeling exhausted watching them. <laughs> yeah, because they, they had the midfield two that were just like like little terriers, as someone said earlier on in there, and then people around them, and they would just run, 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 and run. That's where I think you felt a bit sorry for Carl Holford, really, because <laughs> he had to run. So much. <laughs> yeah, he had to run so much. I don't think he was used to it. The poor sod. Yeah. <laughs> It's just staggering. So that season, we win the league. Um, from the 28th of September, we were first. And we didn't come off top. Which is That's just... That's crazy. Just, That's madness. Yeah. And uh, unbeaten from January the 1st. We didn't... Oh, from December 28th, we didn't lose a single game. Um, 
until yeah, just yeah. Was, I, I, I still I, even even though we were so dominant, and I suppose if you if you were, I think we were confident that we were going to win it, but you weren't too sure because after all, this is Yeovil Town, and the, the amount of times when we think we're going to do something and it all goes pear shaped. So we were all a bit sort of cautious about getting too carried away with things. But likewise with me in the, the previous season when we won the trophy in that, that replay win at Doncaster, for me, when we won the conference, was away at Halifax when we were 2-0 down at half-time. And then we came back to win 3-2 with Gawley scoring a hat-trick. And I think that this, this, the, the winner came in stoppage time. And I think we went away from there thinking we're going to win the conference this season. And I don't think we look back really at all from there. And do, you remember, was... do you remember his post-match uh, press conference after that, Steve? Because I remember doing that game for the, from the Western. And he came out with that line um, at half-time. I threw the boys a carrot and these boys will catch any carrot I throw at them. That's right, there you go. So. <laughs> just imagine Gary Johnson like hurling vegetables at people in the uh, during half time, but it worked. So yeah, let's see. Someone made a t-shirt of that, didn't they? I remember having yeah. a t-shirt with that on with like yeah. a little bit on it. Yeah, I've still got that somewhere actually. Don't doubt it fits now though. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I the, the the game, one of the games we all probably all remember is that the four nil away at Doncaster the day we that was the day we won it, wasn't it? Um, live, yeah, on, it live on Sky. Um, yeah. Have you seen the videos? The, you know, um, Stuart Housley got his camera out, didn't he? For the end of season running. And there's a, a halftime video. Um, you can watch it on, I think it's all on YTFC Digital. On um, AD's website. Um, of Gary giving the halftime team talk. And he wasn't happy at halftime. And Chris Giles is going around looking for the stud spanner for his boots. And they're all, Gary's like having a go at all the players. And he's like looking around and he's like, what the fuck are you looking for? <laughs> and like, you know, we're about to win the league. We're, we're, you know, well in control. And um, it just, the, the, the competitive spirit of the man to, to be like, you know, riled up with his players and really egging them on to do even more. Like, Coates, is it any wonder that he had the legacy or he's got the legacy that he has at Yeovil Town Football Club with that sort of mentality? No. Uh, I mean, he was, uh, as Steve said, when he uh, when he arrived, he literally was Gary Who. No one no one had heard of him. Uh, no, Nobody knew anything about him. But... Uh, say sounds a cliche doesn't it that you you could see that it was happening but just the way that he everything the way that he spoke after games the way that he obviously you know had that relationship with players and you know even on the um on the touchline you could see him you know he was uh, again he, he he had the passion there but he was obviously you know very confident in what it was he was doing and he was very confident in uh you know knowing that if you carried on doing certain things that it would um you know it would come it would come good and uh yeah that very quickly you know, sort of filtered its way through the whole club and and through the uh, through the team as well so yeah i think um it, it's it's no luck is it that a, a manager like that has uh, you know gone on to achieve not just the things he did with us in his in his two spells but you look he's done it 
you know, did it with Cheltenham as well, didn't he? Did it? Um, uh, well, it looks like he might do it with uh, with Torquay this season. So yeah, it, it's it's no fluke, is it? That he's um, he's achieved all that he has achieved. Um, let, let's skip on to his. Um, you know, we we go up, we come damn close to the playoffs in our first season in the football league. Um, run away with it in our second season, and then the start of our League One, or was it still Division Two at the time? The start of that campaign, everything's going okay. And then all of a sudden, uh, Bristol City lose their manager. And I remember this is going to make th- those um, those are older, make them feel even older. Steve, cover your ears, cover your ears. <laughs> I remember being sat in an IT lesson at school <laughs> and uh, logging, logging on to Ciderspace and seeing that he was leaving to go to Bristol, Bristol City. Um, Jim, are you... You were at the club then, at that point? I was, yeah. I remember, actually, the day when he come round and said goodbye. Um, yeah, it was, I can remember it was like quite upsetting. Yeah. I remember going out after with, I think it was Glenn was there at the time, the old physio, and Gary had brought him in. And uh, I remember we both went out that evening and got absolutely bladdered <laughs> just to drown our sorrows. I mean, like, yeah, it was generally... Any old excuse, eh? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Learn from you, Steve. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I just remember it, it was just like a, a generally upsetting day, but one that you kind of knew would come eventually that someone higher up would would poach him away. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. I was being a fan as well. I was uh, quite upset that he that he went, especially up the road to Bristol City. And they weren't even that. They weren't higher up really at that point. Where we were in the same division. They were point, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. I think that was another disappointing thing. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that the season had started? Yeah. And we we played a couple of games, hadn't we? Yes, that's right. I think I think it was like September time. He went. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because Bristol City. I think Bristol City had been on the end of a couple of hidings as well, because they had Brighton. Yeah, they lose like eight nil away at Swansea. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good for them. Um, yeah, so that was. I think, go on. Yeah, I was going to say. I think we all we all knew that Garrett Gary was going to go sooner or later because it, it, I know fo- football fans get very passionate about players or managers going to new clubs. But at the end of the day, we got to appreciate that it's their job, and if they get offered to go to a bigger club or in you know, order for more money, then they're going to go. It's no different to to us if we got offered something bigger and better, we'd be very tempted to go. So I think we all we all knew that Gary was going to go eventually. Obviously, it was a bit gut-wrenching he was going to Bristol City uh, up the road, but let, let's be honest, Bristol City is a is a, a big club in, in comparison to Yeovil. So I don't I, I I was obviously really disappointed to see him go, but I wasn't surprised. And I think, I think uh, before even Bristol City, I think Coventry City had been sniffing about after him as well and he, he was umming and ahhing about whether to take up that job so I think I think Gary perhaps it, it was looking to further his career as well at that point yeah I mean there's a on on Wikipedia it says he turned down Derby County in that summer right yeah um which you know yeah I was just about to jump in and say that I can remember there being he was in real heavy talks with Derby and he, he turned them down and then as he said Coventry with was another name that was sniffing, and then 
obviously September come round and he departed to go up the A37. I remember him saying that he was sat in the Gordano services, I think, waiting for everything to be signed because he couldn't go to the club or the clubs all had to agree. So he was sat in some services, or sat at Gordano, waiting for Steve Lansdowne to phone to say you can actually come to the training ground. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that, you know, it's sort of, you know, the the world of football and how, how things happen that, you know, he's on his way, but he can't actually go there until, I guess, there was a compensation package or whatever had to be agreed at the time. All um, agreed. We... No, he just wanted a KFC. That's all he wanted. He was just, <laughs> just hanging around. Bargain bucket. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, um, I'm just reading back on the, the Ciderspace archives again, and he says... Oh, 28th of September 2005, he talks to the Western Gazette and he says, I cried my eyes out going past the Yeovil training ground the other morning, and that is the truth. I am slowly working my way around to speak to everybody at the club, but every time I do, I break down, so I have to do it gradually. I've spoken to the board directors and they have given me anything. They do not deceive me. They do not deserve to see me walk up the road, but they also understand why I have to profession. Well, yeah. There you go. I think that sums it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay, we'll we'll wind the clock forward again to 2012. Who thought Gary Johnson would come back as Yeovil Town manager? We're putting hands up. Yeah. Well, say <laughs> say yay or nay. I'm always a believer in the adage of never go back. So I was I wasn't expecting him back again. No. No, I don't think I, I was either, to be honest. He had left Northampton not a long, long time before. <laughs> no, no, it's true. He did. Um, yeah, not not a massive amount of time before. Sort of a couple of couple of months, was it? I mean, if that. And obviously, it was mid-season, wasn't it, for us? And things were going... Uh, okay, but it finally looked like we were probably going to. We'd fought off relegation under Skivo so many times in that league, but it just felt like I remember feeling like this might be the one. This might be the one where it's just it just comes too far. We were up against some incredible sides in that league. Of course, his first game was away at Sheffield United, and it just felt like we were we were up against it too much. I didn't expect to see him come back, if I'm honest with you. Um, but yeah, that was a little bit out of the blue, wasn't it? Yeah, and well, if I remember I... rightly, he hadn't done, like I say, he hadn't done well at uh, at Northampton. I remember their fans were no fans of his whatsoever, were they? They uh, they, they didn't have a good word to say about him. So yeah, yeah, you know, we could have been forgiven for thinking, oh, as he as he lost his magic, because I think. Uh, and I don't think it was necessarily football related, but his his time before that was um, Peterborough, was it? And he, he hadn't yeah. done well there either. He didn't last long there. I think that might have been that uh, chairman that they've got that maybe didn't didn't see eye to eye. But um, um, but yeah, you it, it was always that one of those things. Um, he just seemed to fit the football club, didn't he? I've said this to people up in uh, in, in Preston about Graham Wesley and Stevenage Borough. It just seemed to fit a football club, and I think Gary Johnson was the, you know, was someone who just fitted our football club. But no, I, I would uh, add my list to the. I never expected him to come back. Um, uh, bracket as well. 
I, I remember, and I've just searched it now, I remember him going, I, I was convinced he was going to Bristol Rovers. And I've just found it now. Former Yeovertown manager Gary Johnson has thrown out a fairly major hint that he's going to take the managerial reins at Bristol Rovers. He says, don't rule anything out. I class myself as a West Country person, and that's where I've enjoyed all my football. Of course, I'm interested in anything that comes up in that area. I want to get back into management. I can't sit at home sitting and watching the TV. It's driving me up the wall. <laughs> well, he did come back to the area just a matter of days later, but um, maybe not quite the way Cider Space had, had it guessed. I'm trying to fight because I remember I remember being at university and Chris Spittles tweeted. It was a Saturday after a game. It was all, it was almost, you know, within an hour of a match finishing that Chris tweeted that he understood that Yeovil Town were in, you know, advanced negotiations and that Gary Johnson was going to be returning as manager. And seventh of seventh of January, it looks like. Yeah, it looks like we've got. Uh, I'm just again. I'm going through the side of space archives online. January the 7th, there is sort of four or five different uh, posts here. Former overtime manager is reported as being lined up for a return to Hewish Park. And again, talks about Chris Spittles and suggested that Johnson is in talks with a, a possible role at the club. Doesn't necessarily that he's going to take over as manager or anything like that. Might have considered a director of football role or something. It is not clear whether this would see Terry Skibberton take on another role or leave the club. And then literally on the same day, it's set for an announcement. It's done. And that's it. It's um, refer- referred to as the second coming. And then like you say, Ben, we got spanked in the first game, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> the, and I, um, I, I remember the, I remember the, the post-match press conference and uh, sort of, I remember it, it must've been Spittles again. And he says, how great is it to be back in front of the Yeovil fans or, or something of that ilk? And he says something like, those Yeovil fans that have come all the way to Sheffield United and seen us get humped by, by the Blades, they're championship supporters and we need them to be a championship supporter group. We're just going to try and make the football team a championship team as well. And everyone kind of went, you what? <laughs> I'm just happy to stay in League One, mate. <laughs> Don't worry about the rest <laughs> of that yet. Little did we know, fast forward, what would happen in the next 18 months or so. But yeah, that is um, that is quite something to okay. to throw that line out on his first night and then for it to come to fruition. Did he use the word humped? I'm not sure he did. No, that might have been that might have been editorial license. <laughs> a bit of artistic that. license there. That would be a shock in itself. I, I, I think I can remember the press conference when it was when he was announced as returning to to Yale Town as manager. That it, that it just co- coincided with my preset day of giving up smoking. <laughs> if, ever, if ever there was a day I wanted to have a big cigar, that was it. When the when the announced that Gary was coming back, well, obviously I um I, I stuck to my um giving up smoking day that day, and and still still giving up smoking. So, but I always remember I always remember that day. It's my giving up smoking day, and Gary Johnson coming back to Yeovil. <laughs> Uh, I I remember that first game, the first game at Hewish Park. I came back up um, from Cornwall to watch it, and I think Andy Williams scored a winner, um, if I remember, late on. And against Tramia, I can't remember. It was against. I can't remember. Ben will find it. I'm sure. Scrolling up. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was. Kind of follows Tramia Rose. My cousin's following, and I I can remember them saying. Or me saying, oh, we're going to win because it was like Gary Johnson's homecoming. 
Yeah. And everyone's going to be well up for it. Adam McGurk scored in the ninth minute, Joe Edwards in the 19th, and Andy Williams, 90 plus three. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember it was a diving header um, into the far corner. I remember Gary running down the touchline, um, you know, pumping his fist like he always did. High fiving. High fiving anyone who got within distance of him as a side of space. <laughs> yeah. And um the other thing I remember, which is like a small insignificant thing, was that when we cleared a corner, all the players ran out rather than stayed inside the eighteen yeah. yard box and everyone celebrated that they ran out almost like it was a goal on the first corner we defended. It was like we've never seen this tactic before. <laughs> And um, yeah, just things like that, that, you know, I think you take for granted um, that sort of thing when you don't have it a little bit. And, you know, we, we see elements of that now almost that we sit back and sit back. And it's, yeah, those sort of things were like a breath of fresh air at the time. And, you know, I I, I wrote something at the time that I thought he had unfinished business at Yeovil because the way he left, you know, it... It left at the, you know, not in the middle of a season, but while the season was going on, we didn't really have any sort of closure. Um, and I think it's fair to say that, you know, he, he, he did have unfinished business and what he went on to do was just incomprehensible, really. Ben, what, what can you, um, sum up, sum up that, those memories of that, um, you know, that time of his return? And and what he well, you know what it meant. Obviously, obviously we we spoke at length, and and if listeners haven't listened to the the podcast, the original one with James, we go into the with we go into that playoff season in great detail, and I would highly recommend you go and, and find that and listen to it. But actually, it was the it was the end of that first season that really sort of sticks with me as much as anything else, because you're right, it was for the vast majority, it was the same team that Skivo had. It was still. It was still a group of players that we sort of recognise now. It was still Luke Ayling. There was still Joe Edwards. There was these good players in there. Andy Williams was there. Quite a lot of, of good players. I seem to remember, was Max Aimer there? Max Aimer? Or did he kind of go at that point? But sort of lots of players of that note that were, were reasonable enough players. And yet somehow they were playing very differently. Obviously, Nathan Jones, I think, as well. Nathan Jones was a, was a coach, wasn't he? And then he was sort of assistant manager, and then he was back to being a coach, and he would end up leaving because he wasn't high enough sort of in the pecking order for his own for his own good. But we were playing this football that Paul Huntington was a different guy. He was a different... He was in a whole other level of defender. Suddenly, he was this unbeatable rock. Bonds and Gala and, 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 and him at the back. Um, Ryan Dixon, did he rejoin on loan? Oh, I can't think. I'm trying to put my names together now. But that was when that was when we got the best out of John Obika. And we had him about 40 times. So <laughs> I, I seem to remember us I seem to remember us sort of literally flicking a switch. Like suddenly they were doomed to relegation. And then suddenly it was a case of, hang on, we're we're gonna play good football. And like you say, that Tramir game, those key little fine margin moments were suddenly falling for us because we had an arrogance about us. I don't know whether he walks in and tells them, actually, you are all brilliant. Here you go. Here's the proof. Now go and do it. And he does. I, d- I don't know. Jimmer, maybe you know. Maybe maybe you and Steve know a little bit more about how how does his man management work? Because he just gets the very best out of players. 
that seemingly overnight have gone from bad to good. If you were, I know, if you were on his good side, you knew you were on his good side. If you're on his bad side, or you've done something to hack him off, you knew about it, and you knew. And I think you knew where you stood with him. And that's just not all the players either; it was staff as well, and probably the the press as well. Steve would probably say you knew exactly where you stood with him. If you if you did pee him off, he would tell you, and then. But if you did something good, or he would then obviously tell you that you'd done something good as well. So yeah, he was like. Yeah, he was just a good man manager. He was um, he looked after his players well, looked after all the staff well, um, and I would say he looked after the media well. But Steve will be able to tell you that. Um, I think I had I had one or two run-ins with him, but not not serious run-ins. We just had um, uh, discussions really about whatever I might have written or. Obviously, we're going back in the days of pre-social media, as such. I'm, I'm talking like in, the, in this first first stint at, at the club, and um, and really all there was social media-wise was cyberspace for, for the Oval fans, unlike there is now. So, um, but no, it. I, I always, I always got on great, great with them, and I had some great football. Conversations with him about all all sorts of football, not just the oval. But um, I do I do know some of my colleagues in in the media have have had uh, dealings with um Gary, which might not have been necessarily quite so um amiable. Some, someone on this podcast has, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I do remember getting a phone call from uh, from Gary Johnson telling me that uh, not that I wasn't welcome back at the club. <laughs> Uh, as a as a reporter, not a because uh, uh, I had uh, what was the word? Jimmer, you you might have been involved in writing the the pre- I, I can't quite remember the story, but it was to do with Anthony Tonkin, uh, and it involved his uh, his agent Steve Dinos, who'd um, oh, him. oh that's a name that is yeah isn't it? yeah who um who Gary then branded the club pest. Uh, and uh, I think he was Mackindo's uh, agent as well. I can't remember exactly the story, but it was something to do with uh, Tonkin going to, I want to say, Stockport. Um, and anyway, it was it was after he left, and uh, the, the, this 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 agent had said something um, about it. Anyway, Gary took exception to it. Um, I mean, I, I, he was say he, he didn't say the story was untrue. He just said it was I don't know like four months out of date or we happened four months ago so why are we why are we going on about this um yeah and he uh, uh i think he banned the uh the western gazette from uh from the game for i don't know for about however long it was but yeah i certainly felt the uh the rough end of his tongue but i i'd never hold it against him so uh I, he's still all right with me i might not be all right with him but he's still all right with me. <laughs> we've had a few we've had a few of those phone calls as well like yeah. after games, like the local press have run a story, and he's obviously phoned myself or a colleague and said, "The hell's going on? Why are they running that?" So I don't know. Ask them. <laughs> yeah. I'll try. I'll, yeah, I'll try and find out for you. And he's like, is, hopefully this will blow over. Is that unusual for a manager to to do that? No, I think I think most clubs will probably tell you that the managers are often reading what's on. I think it's worse now because of all the social media stuff. Um, 
when I was with Gary at Bristol City, I know Andy Stockhausen was the Evening Post reporter. And they were off, they were often falling out because of stuff that Andy wrote. Uh, that was probably true most of it, but Gary was fuming that he put it out there without running it by him and not speaking to him first. But that's not the way it really works. No, no. I think no. it's that control thing, isn't it? You hear about Sir Alex Ferguson doing the same. You know, he could he could switch he could switch the tap on or he could switch the tap off for uh, for yeah. journalists, and he knew he knew he had that level of control. But I think in today's world, you just can't control it. But as, as Steve said, if you go back to Gary's first um, spell at the club, it was kind of the. The papers, um, well, I call 80s Clarion a paper. It's kind of a paper on it. But, um, Hello, I work there. Of course I know. Well, there you go. That says it all, doesn't it? Circus paper. Um, yeah, uh, I was, so it was the, the papers, side of space. And, um, and, and and that was about it. So you, you didn't have the kind of constant flow of uh, 24-7 uh, news that you do these days. So what what these, you know, what, what these... Uh, um, publications uh, again clarion inverted commas um there was um you know really meant something so it probably had more of an impact then than perhaps it would do now yeah yeah it's like come uh, gary's second uh, spell at the club my sort of footballing uh, reporting days it, it, it with the overall finish and, and to be honest it wasn't this wasn't the same really because of the social media aspect and and I, I can remember going to the when Jimmy was there, going to the club for a press conference. And by the time I got home to write up the notes, that that it already been videoed and it was already online. So I was thinking, well, why why did I waste an hour sat up there listening to a press conference when I could have just sat at home and watched waited for the video? So it, it, it but you definitely did spend, you did get to spend a quality time with me, Steve. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. That was it. Yeah, he was just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you'd let him finish, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, to be fair to Gary, I, I always got on really well with him because, and there was, a, I think there was a, a kind of a mutual respect that he 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 worked with me and I worked with him. So he would tell me things off the record, and I, I would go along go along with that. And so if I heard something, and then I. If I heard something myself, I would go to Gary first before print, printing to, to get his side of this. And he might have said, oh, please don't mention that. And, and I wouldn't because further down the line, he, he might have um, not told me things. So, so I had a good working relationship with him, I think. Whether he would say the same about me, I don't know. But, but he, 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 I, I thought he was a, he, he was a good manager all, all the way around, really. Yeah, I'm. I'm conscious we've been talking for a while now. So to to finish off, then let's let's um, we'll we'll go around the room. Um, uh, we'll start with you, Ben. Your what is your sort of overarching memory as of Gary Johnson as manager at Yeovil Town? A single memory is very diff- difficult because so many of them mean sort of individual things to me. So of course, the trophy final for me is the day that solidified me as a, a Yeovil fan so I guess that's the first one to come into mind but later on I had a, I've obviously had the chance to, to, to work at the club for, for Jim of Eddy on a couple of occasions and and write things and stuff and you kind of just can can see even from afar 
how he operates and how he goes about things. And the style of football is the sort of football that you you really, really miss when you're when you're under certain other managers at certain other points. And we've talked about it before. Like you, you say when when we clear a corner, people would go up. Well, we went through a, a very long period where we didn't leave anybody up. We brought all eleven back in our own box for corners. And just you yearned for that feeling of just just give us something, and Gary always gave us something. He always gave us positivity. He always gave us players that were going to get us off our seats and and moving and 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 were attacking. And so there was that overall style of play that he has sort of carried on throughout his career, whether or not he's ever been successful or not, is sort of individual. But if you're going to pinpoint me for one for one moment, it probably is the trophy final for what it means for me. If we'd have lost that game and got battered. Chances are I'm not a Yeovil fan. Chances are I'm not on this podcast talking about it. And chances are Gary doesn't go on and have the same um, sort of legacy at Hewish Park. And then to come back and do it again for a whole new generation of supporters. I like to think that there was probably kids who were the age I was at, at Villa Park at, at Sheffield United and at Wembley and against Sheffield in the, in, the, in the semi. So I hope that there was sort of people that are, are beginning there legacy and of Gary Johnson and discovery of what he did off the back of his second stint. But for me, he he and the team that he created made me a Yeovil fan and then gave me that most ridiculous year that we won the conference with a team that was, and I quote his son when I say, good enough for the championship. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jimmer, you were, you've worked closely with him. What, what sticks out for you? I would say probably winning the conference, getting us up into the Football League after 108 years, was it? Um, I think Coatsy was there for most of them. Um, <laughs> hey, that, no, I'm not the oldest yeah. one here tonight, so I'm no, that's not true. taking that tonight. Sorry, uh, Steve. I think, take, <laughs> I think taking us up to the to the Football League uh, was a massive thing. Uh, I was just a fan then, so it was the season after I joined there, uh, working and being there for the first season in the Football League and working there then. Um, but yeah, I, I reckon the conference winning uh, the whole team that he kind of created there was probably one of my favourite Yeovil Town teams. Um, but then obviously got to know him work-wise and personally and still speak to him. Still speak to him now. So I've like, gained a friend really from with him. And yeah, he's just, a I think, an all-round top bloke. Steve, from the the media side, what what sticks out for you as well? Yeah. Uh, not not only from the media side, but also as me as a, a Yeovil Town fan, yeah, yeah. and and I pro- probably speak for a, a generation or generations of supporters who who probably have three main ambitions for for, for the Glovers: is to see them win the FA Trophy, to see them get promoted to the Football League. And see Oval win at Wembley, and it is Gary Johnson achieved all three of those things for for Yeovil. So, well, uh, the big, biggest compliment I could pay to Gary Johnson is the fact that you know, over the years Yeovil have had some really good managers, but then we've also had Gary Johnson, who is leaps and above the rest of the the great managers we've had because of, of what he's achieved for the club. That we we can talk about Alex Stark. In, in Jerry Guy, Graham Roberts, Mike Cusey, uh, Ron Saunders, 
but Gary Johnson, he, he just he, he he won things for the club, which in the memories he's created will, will last last for forever for the supporters. And personally, from a, a media point of view, it, it was an absolute privilege to to have worked with him while, while he was at, at the club. Cody. I can't say the Steve Dinos uh, telephone call, can I? But, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, I do remember one press conference that he gave towards it. It was at the end of that uh, 2013 um, season. And I remember him saying something like, um, we were we were obviously, uh, you know, going for the playoffs, had been in, a, in and out of the playoffs. And I remember him saying, if we don't make the playoffs, that's a failure for this football club. And you remember thinking at the time, you know, in that division, you had, like I said, Sheffield United, you know, Preston, Portsmouth, Bournemouth. You had some good teams in um, in, in that division. And you thought to yourself, is it really, you know, is it really a disappointment if we don't make the players? Is that a failure for this football club? But then you, you saw what he was doing. He was um, he was setting that bar by saying we can't accept if we if we constantly accept the fact that we are little old Yeovil, then we'll always be little old Yeovil. When he made us raise those standards at, at a time when we'd obviously you know gone through quite a time where yeah. Um, Underskiver, where we'd stayed in League One, which was an achievement, and we all thought it was an achievement. But he made us set that bar a bit higher. So I would say, you know, we uh, pick out games, and obviously, you know, cutting my leg against Sheffield United and, and everything will be one that I'll, I'll remember every time I look at the scar. But uh, I, I think that moment was the one where I thought, yes, this is a this is a guy who's gonna, you know, again pull us up by the scruff of our neck and uh, and do it. So that would probably be. Uh, one memory that I would uh, I would definitely have of, of of Gary and what he brought to us in two spells he was with us. How about you, Ian? No one's asked you yet. Um, so for me, like as a as a kid, you know, he made supporting Yeovil Town feel like you know I'm not a Man United fan, um, but he made it feel like Yeovil Town were Manchester United. You know, they it was that big a thing at the time to go and watch Yeovil at the weekend because. It was so much fun, you know. It was so entertaining, you know. I think the only times I've ever had, ever been around with like open top bus parades taking over the town and all that sort of stuff, those memories are all from Gary Johnson's time in charge as the manager and and being at the club. And I think those like long, you know, you you're always going to remember those things. I'm always going to remember the players coming round to the schools and signing you know all the shirts and everything and doing all of that and that sort of community feel that he brought to the town solely based around the football club and for me it's something that's long since gone and been missing and I think yeah the way he brought everyone along for the journey and brought everyone in was just um, unbelievable and you know he's, he's got really his good point you go on no, I was going to say it's a really good point you make about the community stuff, actually, because I was a I was a young lad, almost a town FC. I, I played for them from under sixes, under sevens, right the way through to under sixteens. And the year we won the conference, the year after, you know, the year we won League Two, and despite all that had happened, they still came to our end of season awards in in the Shrubbery Hotel at Ilminster. I remember going and collecting um, little trophies and participation awards and players, player and most improved player and the rest of it. But we got them from Gary Johnson and Terry Skiverton and Darren Way and Lee Johnson. And we got them from those guys. And it was it really, you know, it, it was their summer. 
they were supposed to be on holiday. <laughs> you know, it was the end of season. They they don't have to do that stuff, but it made a difference. It, it got everyone talking, and it then it rolled it rolled everything around. And, it, it, and yeah, that that also sticks with me big time. Yeah. So I think I'll just add in there. He he just wasn't he wasn't just a football manager. He actually managed like the whole club. You see now, like managers are going as coaches, and that's all they do. They concentrate on just the football side. Whereas Gary come in and literally transformed the whole club and pretty much the town as well. The way they thought about their football club, he just he just changed that round. He managed the whole club rather than just the football side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he also is the only manager probably to uh, take well is the only manager to take Yeovil into the top forty uh, of the UK charts. Very true. <laughs> and that's what, that's what really counts. That it is, is that yeah. Is above all, <laughs> that is it. <laughs> Are we going to close with the song then? <laughs> no, no, thank you. Don't do that. Uh, no. yeah. I've, got, I've, I've got it here somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Everything's in the, the <laughs> Barrett Museum of Yeovil. Um. <laughs> Can I just uh, add, uh, because obviously it's a Thursday night, so everyone will be wondering where the quiz is. Well, we we, we put it off there for this week. But Nigel, our reigning champion, you know, fresh from stomping all over Ian last um, Thursday, Massacre. when I told him we weren't uh, we weren't doing it, uh, the quiz, because um, uh, because we were going to be talking about Gary Johnson, he said, um, he said Gary, did you know Gary Johnson was in charge for 388 matches, more than any other? the Yeovil Town manager there you go that's Nigel adding value everywhere he goes that man with that stat <laughs> well I think that's, and he'll a, be back. that's a good place to uh, finish it off there you know manage the most games biggest legacy I would say you know the fact that he's got his picture on the side of the stadium um, isn't enough really hopefully he'll have a, a statue there soon because I don't think it's any less than he deserves yeah yeah very true uh, I'm not paying for it, are you? <laughs> <laughs> we'll start a crowdfunder. Yeah, Everything's got go. a crowdfunder. Yeah, so. yeah. Right. Thank you very much for your time this evening, gentlemen. Um, really appreciate it. Thank Thank you, it's a pleasure as always. Yeah. Thank you very Cheers, much. Gents. Thank you. Cheers. 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 And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot. Goal. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.